Good morning, good morning, good morning. Always double check to make sure I'm on. My name is Dwayne, if you don't know me. Um, I'm the guy who's res partly responsible for the cinnamon rolls. Let's give it up for the cinnamon rolls. Hello. Hey, we're gonna do a little bit of uh, family housekeeping here. Tara, does anybody know this strange person over here? Come up, come up over here. So Tara uh, has taken a new assignment directly from heaven. She's going to go to Aiken High School and uh, represent Jesus at Aiken, and she's going to tell you a little bit about what that means. Oh, I didn't tell her this part. I like my mic. Thank you. So um, I have been feeling God's calling for um, since my children were little to go into counseling um, and to help people who are hurting. And as you know, that's part of what the ministry is that I have been doing here. Um, so I'm in the final phases of finishing my master's. So I'm going to be doing group and individual counseling at Aiken High School um, through the children's home. She said that a lot better than I would have. So we want to send her out with a blessing. So uh, there's a verse in the Bible that says you should give honor to whom honor is deserved. And... Um, when you're a visionary and you're a part of a team that starts something new, you can take a lot of arrows, like people don't understand what you're doing, and it's just hard. And Tara has worked with a team of people for a long time to build Stepping Forward and the pantry, and uh, I think that we should honor her today for her leadership, for her perseverance to make all that happen. So would you stand, and uh, I'm going to bless Tara, and then we'll... Give her a stirring round of applause, <laughs> stirring round of applause uh, to say that we honor her. Jesus, thank you. Lord, we send uh, Tara out uh, with this extra double portion of your spirit, Lord. Everything that you've allowed her to do here, would you just double it as she goes into the high school? And I had this picture, Tara, that uh, in Acts chapter 7, it says that when they saw the face of Stephen... His face shone like an angel. So I'm, I'm going to pray that the people at Aiken High School say, that's that angel face girl, Tara. Every time we see her, it's like looking at the face of an angel. And Lord, would you just lead many people to Jesus through her uh, example and through her witness at Aiken. We bless her today in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> round of applause, round of applause. All right, you may be seated. And there will be brec breakfast cake at 10.30. And Tara will be out there so that you can give her hugs. And there are some, uh, there's a table with uh, some cards that you can write a card and tell her how awesome she is, okay? So if you guys were here a month ago, I had some tennis balls. And then a few weeks ago, I had a tennis racket and tennis ball. So I've upped my game. No, this is a reminder that um, I don't need to be chasing any rabbits today down rabbit holes. So every time I see a rabbit, I'm going to pull this thing out and shoot the rabbit. But don't worry, no rabbits will actually be harmed in the delivery of this message, okay? Well, when you came in, you may have gotten a yellow piece of paper. Leo, hold that up. If you didn't get that, you, you might want one. Um, I don't have any people that are ready to give you some, you don't have it, so run out and get some, get one. So um, I may or may not read all of those uh, verses of scripture, 
but um, I want to take you on a journey. I've got two kind of like word pictures that I would like to share and then two, sh two stories. And I think it will help illustrate this last portion of the Lord's Prayer, which says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So throughout this message today, we're going to talk about how are we delivered from the evil one, okay? And uh, I think I've got some helpful pictures that will give you a sense of confidence that in your battle against the evil one, that you are not unarmed and you've got more than a Nerf gun at your ready when the evil one comes against you, okay? So first of all, uh, we have to tease this scripture apart just a little bit because this first phrase, and lead us not into temptation, is a little bit of a curveball. And scripture honestly has a lot of curveballs and if you don't let scripture interpret scripture, you'll be a little bit confused because the first thing that might come to your mind is like, I didn't know that God tempted people. And the reality is he does not. That word can also mean test. God does not tempt to evil, but God does test so that we can prove how we are walking in faith. Tempting, testing. Everybody gets that? Tempting is like April Fool's. Anybody do any April Fool's kind of jokes on, no, you're all good people. You, do, you don't trick people, right? You're straight up kind of honest people. So James says, so we let scripture interpret scripture. And James chapter 1 verses 13 and 14 says, when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Oh, let's relax here. Let's all say that. Nor does he tempt anyone. One more time. Nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. All right. So, first of all, God does not tempt, but he does test. But in the midst of the testing, I think we need to pray that we would be delivered from the evil one because the evil one's trying to work in all kinds of things. He works in the tempting and he works in the testing. Some people take a test and they do well. Some people take a test and they don't do well and they get discouraged. And sometimes that can be like an entry point for the enemy. It's like, hmm, how can I mess with their mind right now? They're a little bit discouraged. They didn't do very well on the test. How many like to do well on tests? Everybody likes to do well on a test. Some people have testophobia. I feel a rabbit coming. <laughs> Who'd I hit? Did I get you, Leo? I was shooting for you. Oh. I got him. <laughs> I told you don't want to sit close to me when I'm speaking. All right, that was a rabbit. So how is it? How is it that God is able to equip us that in the midst of tempting and testing, we can stand firm. Well, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, uh, Jesus speaking to Peter, but this is a point of theological confusion, especially if you're from a Catholic heritage. When Jesus said to Peter, on this rock, I will build my church, the rock that Jesus was talking about was 
Peter's confession that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. That is the foundation of faith. Our rock is Jesus. Sorry, current or former Catholics, Peter is not the rock. He is not the foundation of the church. There's only one foundation, that foundation is Jesus, okay? On this rock, I will build my church, and this is going to be our first point, this picture I want to give you. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What is the it? It's the church that's empowered by the presence of Jesus, and the gates of hell cannot stand against the presence of Jesus. Are you with me so far? All right. So years ago, uh, a really good teacher back at the vineyard was trying to illustrate this picture of the purpose of gates. And he actually had like this beautiful iron kind of gate that he had on stage. And he said, what is the purpose of a gate? A gate is something that you close, right, so that the enemy, whoever's advancing against you, will not get through the gate. Now, a simple little gate that we see in a yard or something is not very strong. But if you think of big fortress walls, right, imagine that kind of gate. And Jesus is saying that the gates of hell cannot withstand against the church. Now, here's a funny thing my mind did with this verse of scripture, okay? And I wanna see if it did the same thing with your mind. It's still the same scripture that's true. Bible's true, right? But my mind did a funny thing. My mind, because I think of, look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. In my mind, when I read the verse in Matthew chapter 16, I flipped the meaning of the verse and suddenly I saw myself behind the gate holding the gate really strong so that when my enemy, the devil, came against me, my gate would protect me. Now, do you see how that's an inversion or a flip of what Jesus was saying? <laughs> In this analogy, I am not the victim. I am not on defense. Jesus is saying we, the church, are on offense, and the gates that the enemy is using are going to be broken down. Was I the only one that flipped that? No. No, because I could tell I was in an audience of thousands of people, and I could, a lot of people like light bulb. Now, why do we do that? Why do we do that? We listen to the news, and we hear about so much advancing of the enemy and doing so much damage around us, and we think, well, gosh, certainly he's, he has the advantage. He is the aggressor. He's the attacking one, right? And we better just stay safe inside our four, four walls because we don't want to go out there beyond the gate. He might get us. All right, so that's the first kind of picture that I want to, to leave with you there. 1 John 3, 8 says, The Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. Boy, I love the music this morning. Wasn't that good? That was so good. You would think that Sean knew what I was going to talk about today when he chose those. John, uh, John 16, 33, I've told you all this, this is Jesus speaking, so that you 
may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. That is true. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Now, first there's this picture that Jesus' mission was to destroy the devil. And that was and is his mission. Don't be discouraged in the midst of adversity. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. Very, very clear. Now, another curveball. Romans 16, 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under... What are the two words that are bold? Your feet. Your feet. I was meditating on this verse this morning... Everybody understands, I think, many people understand that the concept of glory is something that's reserved for God. God is glorious. He is full of glory. It's not a word that we use very often, but it's brilliance, light, just all those things you can imagine, just amazing. God is glorious. There's an alternate or a uh, parallel meaning to glory, and that's weight, the weight of glory. C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Weight of Glory. Glory is not ephemeral, it's not empty, it's very heavy, it's very solid. And so when C.S. Lewis wrote the book The Great Divorce, and he imagined these people going to heaven, suddenly it was the people on earth that were very ghostly, and everything in heaven, and heaven was very dense and solid. If you think about it, things that are eternal are solid and will last forever. Things that are temporary, like we're temporary, these bodies are going to what? They're going to perish. So in his imagery, trying to paint a picture for us, he said, in reality, we're the temporary folks. (laughs) Things in the invisible realm are the solid folks. So now, imagine this church who are going to tear down the gates of the enemy. They can't withstand, the gates of the enemy cannot withstand our power. Think about this. When a person bows to Jesus and to his glory, his weight, the weight of God falls upon us and we walk with a God of peace and we smush the devil. It's not our weight. It's the weight of the glory of God that fills us. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That was worth the price of admission. You guys did pay to get in here, didn't you? No, who said no? Jesus promised, and I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. How do we get this kind of weight of glory How do we get this kind of power that the devil himself (laughs) shakes in our presence? Wouldn't that be awesome? Have you ever felt evil encroaching upon you and you feel yourself kind of shake? Honey, would you pour me another drink? Would you go get me me some water? Is everybody drinking eight glasses of water a day? So two stories. The first one is in Acts chapter 8. And let's see a real-life picture from the history of church of, of what it was like when people waited for the promise of God, like Jesus said, and they were filled with power 
and what did it look like in their life when they made the devil shake? Tremble. Yeah? A man named Simon had been a sorcerer for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. They listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. So obviously, Philip is a follower of Jesus. He has bowed his knee before Jesus. The glory of God is resting on him, and he's heavy, heavy. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself, the magician, believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. Isn't this an exciting story? I, I bet many of you haven't even heard this story. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. I would highlight that with your highlighters, which you don't have, obviously. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, what was happening to Simon when he saw the real deal? Simon is a fake deal. He's a magician or he's in collusion with the devil. We're not sure. It's either sleight of hand or he's demonically infused, yeah? The Holy Spirit actually comes and shows up, and it's kind of like Mount Carmel and Elijah, the prophets of Baal, the prophet of God. It's one of these kind of showdowns. Are you tracking with me here? When Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on the people, he offered them money to buy this power. <laughs> Let me have this power too. He knew power. When power showed up, he knew it. I know when I see the real thing. And Simon's like, man, I want this stuff. Pulls out some money. I want to buy it. It's, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Ironic, he exclaimed. So that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts, for I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things you said won't happen to me. Crazy, crazy story. But I say that just to illustrate that when the presence and the power of God comes, it gets the attention of the people. It's real. It's and when the enemy sees it, he recognizes it. Carmen's shaking her head. I'm going to look at you for the rest of the time. I'm just going to talk to you. You're awesome. Another story, Acts chapter 19. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people. They were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Amazing. A group of Jews was traveling. Oh, by the way, this story is PG-13. 
Got any kids in here? No, all adults. We'll keep going. Oh, all right. No, it's, I'm, you'll be, you're not scared, are you? Don't be scared. I've, it'll be fine. Dad, if, you, if it gets too wild and crazy, just cover ears. Thank you. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this. But one time when they tried it, kids, don't try this at home. One time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, now, let's go back to our gate, okay? The gates of hell cannot prevail against the power and presence of Jesus, yes? Our spirit-filled presence, the enemy can't stand against us, right? Someone tries to break down the gate without the real power of Jesus. Don't try this. Don't do this. But one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, well, I know Jesus, and I even know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Now, if we had a video of that, that would be PG-13, maybe R. Naked, you guys, you guys are a tough crowd. <laughs> this is a wild story. Some of you are like, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. How did people respond? The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely, widely and had a powerful effect. Hey, we're doing good on time. I didn't have to shoot any rabbits either. Thank you. Is that Ashley? Ashley, you're awesome too. You and Carmen. Thank you. And I love you. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. When we are delivered from the evil one, we are fearless. He fears us. That flips, that flips the narrative. Your God's design for your life is not to be afraid of the devil. You are not a victim. You are more than conquerors through him who loved us, Romans chapter 8. Very famous verse of scripture. Now there's a wonderful um, imaginative telling of the life of Jesus called The Chosen. How many of you have watched any of The Chosen series? Okay, I want to show a clip of what it looks like when the Son of God encounters an evil spirit. It's a very beautiful, gentle rendition 
of what it's like when we invite Jesus into our heart and into our lives and we experience freedom. This is an imaginative retelling of what it may have looked like when Jesus met Mary of Magdala, who had seven evil spirits in her and was freed by Jesus. So, if we will run that video. I don't know what else I can do to help you. Give me that. Lots of it. That's not going to solve your problems. It's meant to distract from no them. No more preaching. Just give it to me. Lilith, please listen to what I'm Magdala. Who are you? How do you know my name? Thus says the Lord who created you. And he who formed you. Fear not. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You that it chokes me up beautiful picture of when we just stand before Jesus and we say <clears throat> I want to be delivered by you deliver me Jesus now Mary was actually running until Jesus actually gave a word of knowledge and said something to her that 
he shouldn't have known, and that's why she dropped the wine. And then the touch of Jesus freed her from a life of torment. That is what Jesus does. I know we live in the 21st century, and everything's hunky-dory and peachy, and we don't even believe in evil spirits, right? But if you will be honest, you'd have to say, there's got to be some evil force that is working in this world. Got to be. It doesn't add up unless there's some force working. And when we come to Jesus, he will deliver us and he will equip us so that we can take the battle to the enemy. So I'm going to pray for you. If you're the type that just thinks in terms of opening your hands to Jesus, just maybe put your hands in an open position on your laps. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this picture that you are our deliverer. That any, anything the enemy is doing in our lives can be broken by you. So Jesus, we just, we receive you afresh right now, or maybe for the first time. Would you come and fill us with the weight of your glory? Would you come and fill us with your spirit so that we actually are a powerful threat to the enemy? Lord, we want you more than anything. You are the most amazing treasure we could ever go after. And we receive you right now, Lord. We thank you. Father, we pray that we might just sense in our being right now just a new level of strength, a new level of courage, that we are truly fearless in approaching you because you've forgiven us for all our sins. And we stand before you sinless, and we stand now in your presence, filled with your glory, filled with the weight of your glory, that we might be a threat to the enemy. So Lord, would you do that in us today? May this day be a game changer for us. That instead of walking in fear, we walk in confidence. Instead of being shy when we come into your presence, we come with boldness. A long time ago, a man named John Wesley, after being a Christian for a long time, touched you or you touched him afresh. And he reflected on that day, and he says, it's like I was born again. It's like I came alive after being a pastor for a long time. So Lord, maybe some of us have been, been there, done that, got the t-shirt, but we've never sensed your power. Would you give us a John Wesley moment where we just sense your presence and power? Would you come and touch us right now? Move by your spirit, Lord. Fill people up to overflowing, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. So if, if you sensed that God was speaking,